What's up, everybody? Happy Thursday. It's your boy, Mo. It's your boy, E-Man. Welcome and thank you for tuning in to the Killer Crossover Podcast. On today's episode, my boy, E, and I will do a deep dive in into the um, Brooklyn Nets. We will give our pros and cons on how the brand new big three of the NBA has looked. And we will also share our thoughts and fondest memories of Kobe Bryant. Yes, sir. Let's go. Get it. All right, Mo. It's been a couple weeks now since the James Harden trade. And a about a week a little over a week since Kyrie actually came back <laughs> um your thoughts on the big three your first your first thoughts on the big three your first impression my first thoughts on the big three man um I had a lot of thoughts actually uh my initial thought that I I felt I it was met with some uh skepticism um yeah. and rightfully so uh but then I decided to look at it from a different uh, perspective and I wanted okay. to look at it from a positive standpoint. And I wanted to take, I wanted to um, highlight for our listeners the positives that I see um, in this potential um, partnership, this trio, if you will, mm-hmm. and give you guys a little insight on why I think I might, it might work. It might be sustainable long-term. Uh, so the first thing is number one, uh, they are the, best scoring team in the league right now, statistical wise. Uh, they are tied, actually tied with the Milwaukee Bucks at scoring damn near 120 points per game. Um, so they can score, they can score at real well. Oh, definitely. <laughs> Not only that, uh, they also the league, leaguer, league leader, excuse me, in the field goal percentage, they hit almost 50% of their field goals. Um, that's pretty damn efficient for a uh, NBA team. Um, in this era of pace and states and a lot of three-pointers being hoisted, hoisted up on a regular basis, that's pretty efficient for, for today's NBA. Uh, the reason why I like this um, this trio, the reason why I feel like it might work is a couple different things. Uh, the first and foremost, I want to highlight Katie's um, office, offensive efficiency. Um, historically, he is a one of the most efficient scorers uh, the league has ever seen a walking bucket every since the world word uh, can get you 30 without even breaking sweat uh, doesn't have to t- take a lot of shots to get that 30 um, he is um, looking at his career stats he is what you call a um, a 50 40 90 guy uh, that's where you um, for our listeners that don't know you shoot over 50 percent from the field goals um, 40% from the arc, and I think the 90% is 90% over uh, free throw. Free throws, yep. So that's there's a, that that's elite company. Only Katie and Stephen Curry, and, and I think Damian Lillard, I think those are the only current players. I'm, I'm, don't quote me on that. Those are the only current players right now that can really uh, attest to that and, and, and tip their hats to that. So that's the first thing. Uh, the second thing, um, I like to point out is James Harden's playmaking ability, which um, at times gets overshadowed because he's such a potent scorer. Uh, he currently leads the league in assists at 11 per game. And when you're playing with 
with um, scores like Kyrie and like a, um, a KD. Um, anybody that loves to pass the ball is going to love playing with those two guys because they're going to uh, get open shots first and foremost. And playing with a guy like James Harden, you're going to—he's going to create a lot of opportunities for both those guys. Um, so playmaking ability, I really like a lot. Um, Kyrie, Kyrie is the X factor here. Everybody knows that this guy can explode at any single time. Uh, in one game, he took 37 shots, which I don't think from an offensive efficiency standpoint uh, is going to be sustainable. I don't think they can win with him taking that many shots. So I do feel uh, long-term, he needs to scale those shots back just a little bit. But to have an X factor like Kyrie, um, who's actually benefited and actually thrived with playing with wings like um, Kevin Durant or a um, or a Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown and of course LeBron. So he thrives playing with a, a big time wing two way player. Um, so Kai's definitely the X factor. Staggering um, the lineups, we talked about this um, a couple weeks ago where Brooklyn uh, has the ability to stagger lineups, meaning they don't have to play the big three with each other all the time. So when somebody goes out, let's say Kevin Durant goes out, you keep Kai and, and James on the floor at the same time. You don't lose any offense um, and your offense keeps going. So the staggering lineups um, with their offensive, with the offenses, offensive efficiency, uh, scoring in the half court in transition is not going to be a problem either. Um, so that's just a couple of reasons on why I think this might work. Just from an off offensive standpoint, uh, they can explode at any single time. Um, and they can definitely keep the, um, the uh, defense on their heels. And if all breaks down and the shots aren't falling, somebody's uh, struggling with their shot, you have literally three guys that can take over a game at a moment's notice. So you're never really out of it. So you're going to have to play smart, intelligent basketball on both ends to beat game series. Yeah, no, definitely. And I mean, no one is going to dispute this team's ability to score the ball. I said, I said it before, in order to beat this team, you're going to have to make the least amount of mistakes possible. If you turn the ball over, they're going to make you pay, whether it's KD, whether it's James Harden, whether it's Kyrie or even Joe Harris, Jeff Green, whoever you're going to give a shot to can make a shot. Um, with the exception of DeAndre Jordan, who's pretty much hanging around the rim looking for them lobs to, to finish. He's um, low hanging fruit. <laughs> low-hanging fruit yes sir <laughs> but i mean and i'm gonna i'm gonna go ahead and play a little devil's advocate here because and uh, like even though i agree with everything you said you know when you have three smart players three bona fide stars who can pretty much do it all offensively it's pretty hard to go against them but we've seen in the last few games since they've been together their defense has been atrocious you've given away your one of your best better defenders in karis levert prayers up to karis levert man Th this trade probably saved his life 
<laughs> that, that was amazing, man. That, healthcare, yeah. man, doctors, man, they don't get enough credit, man. They, when, when we say heroes don't always wear capes, we really mean that shit. For sure, for sure. You give away your best defender as far as protecting the basket in Jared Allen. DeAndre Jordan is not the same defensive player of the year candidate that he was before. So just having only DeAndre Jordan as your as your best rim protector is kind of I don't know, that's kind of suspect. Can you can you really win a championship when it comes down to it? Because yeah, you know, winning winning series and winning championships it can all come down to one shot. It can all come down to one play. But that can also mean that it could come down to one stop. And we saw that when, and I hate to bring this up because I hate seeing it every year during the finals, when LeBron blocked Iguodala on that fast break, that saved them the series. And that probably won them the series. I know Kyrie shot won them, won it for, uh, won the championship for them. But I think what really won the championship for them was LeBron's clutch block on Iguodala, on that. It's a momentum shift. Exactly. Momentum not only, shift in play. Not only that, but then if Iguodala makes that, the Warriors are up two possessions as opposed to one possession. Now Kyrie has more pressure, trying to score twice that was that was probably the most clutch defensive play in the nba finals that in history but definitely the one definitely the most clutch defensive play that i've ever seen anyways getting back to the nets i don't see their defense stepping up i mean you have good defenders in kd and in i mean i guess you could say deandre jordan's a good defender uh jeff green can kind of hold his own James Harden and Kyrie Irving, let's face it, they're not known for their defense. They'll average a couple steals a game, but that's off of like other people's deflections or, you know, just being in the right place at the right time. And let's face it, their coaching staff isn't exactly known to be defensive minded. I mean, Steve Nash, hell of a def- hell of a basketball mind, but he was all offense when he played. Mike D'Antoni coaches all offense. Amari Stoudemire, you know, he had, he averaged probably a block a game at his best in his prime in Phoenix. Other than that, not really a defensive player. And it's just like, it goes, they go down the list. I just don't see their defense being championship level defense, especially when you consider the last few champions, their team has been good offensively, but they've been a top five defense for the last few years, at least for the last five years since, five or six years since the Warriors last won, or since the Warriors first won their championship. Who gets the last shot? In my opinion, it should be KD. Oh yeah, off tops. Off tops. No it debate. It should be KD. Yeah. Second, second in line would be Kyrie because because he's been in that position before and then third in line is James Harden but is Kyrie willing to succeed that this is not his team and he's not the man that's the biggest question mark I I can see I can see James Harden saying you know what this isn't my team this is KD's team and 
I could see James Harden, you know, you he's shown it in the last few games and especially in the first two games since Kyrie's been back that he's willing to be a facilitator. His assists have gone up from when he was with, well, all right, he played eight games with Houston. He's played seven games so far with Brooklyn. With Houston, he averaged 10.4 assists. Now he's at basically 12 assists, 11.9. Points, about, about the same, 24.8, 24.1. His field goal percentage, his efficiency has gone up from 44% with Houston to 46% with uh, Brooklyn. Not a huge difference, but when you consider how many shots he's taking, I mean, that's that can make or break a game. Yeah, um, I agree. Again, I mean, you mentioned 50-40-90. Through 12 games, again, this is only through 12 games, Kyrie is actually there. Whether he could finish there or not remains to be seen. But again, that's going to depend on whether or not he can just cede to KD and just say, you know what, this is your team. This is our team, but this is your team. And another thing is I feel like this team has so much pressure on them because whether people want to admit it or not, it's championship or bust for this team. Uh, you made that deal for James Harden. You gave up a whole bunch of assets. If you don't win a championship, then you seriously got to look at, okay, can this can this team win us a championship? Because like I said, you're not playing any defense or you're not playing great defense, which is what's needed to win a championship. I don't know if they can keep this these three together right. basically um, right. someone's gonna be someone's gonna be expendable and like i was saying the the odd man out looks like it's Kyrie. right i mean i, I hear what you're saying and you you I, I agree with everything you're saying Kyrie. if this were left Kyrie will definitely be the fall guy uh mm -hmm. but why i think it has the potential to to work and while the Nets have the potential to at least get to the finals, uh, I felt like these three guys really pushed for this. Like, they really wanted to play together. Like, Katie and Kyrie had a plan. They're close. They're, they're boys off the court. They mm. wanted to play together. They wanted to um, they wanted to get James because they felt like James was the missing piece. Uh, there's a familiarity there. Um, you know, Kevin Durant played with um, James Harden. Um, earlier in his career with the Oklahoma City Thunder and uh, Kai and, and uh, KD have played in the FIFA World Cup and in the 2016 Olympics in, in Brazil. So there's a familiarity there. They all, they all three of them know each other's games. Um, so it's it comes down to a level of trust, comfortability. I know what he's going to do. I know what the other guy's going to do. So if I'm not at my best, I know I have two guys that are more than capable of taking up, take, taking up and picking up the slack for me. Um, so they're That's never true. really, they're never ever going to be out of a game, like ever. Like they're always going to be in striking distance. And I think, I believe KD, I've always said KD is the most laid back superstar we, we've probably ever seen. I mean, he's with oh, Russ. You know, and Russ is a, <laughs> Russ is a, uh, I don't even know the words. I don't know if I have enough adjectives to describe um, <laughs> Russ's game. I'll just say he's a fucking bull in the china shop. So he was able to adjust to that. 
then coming to the Warriors and and and, and having to adjust to you know Clay and and, um, and Steph, he still made that work. He was still efficient as hell uh, mm-hmm. with the Warriors. He was more efficient. Exactly, more efficient than he was in any point he was in o- Oklahoma City. So with that being said, with him already having to tailor his game to fit with other people, it wouldn't be a, a big transition. Um, the only kind of playing devil, devil's advocate um, here myself is a um, question that I have is the ball movement. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you have three gifted scores like those two guys, uh, three guys, excuse me, arguably the best uh, ISO scorers in the league, you worry about your ball, um, the ball being stuck. You worry about a lack of ball movement and just a bunch of stand, standing around. Um, so that's where the coaching comes into, comes into play. But uh, again, that comfort, that trust, it, I'm not saying they're going to win, win the East, but it puts them in a, a great shape to at least compete to that Eastern Conference. Yeah, and we'll see if this... I mean, we'll see if jump shooting teams really can win a championship with this team. Um, because, I mean, Chuck called out the Warriors before, but again, when the Warriors won the championship, they weren't just a jump shooting team. When they won, each time they won, they were a top five defense also. So Much more than they defended and they got stops. Yeah. My biggest questions now, is, or my biggest question now is the sus- sustainability of this team beyond this year i mean like i said it was chip or bust but beyond this year what happened because you traded away all your assets to get james harden your only assets are the biggest are the big contracts like spencer dinwiddie um deandre jordan joe harris if you're gonna fix your defense for this year and then you have joe harris deandre jordan and spencer Dinwiddie, spencer dinwiddie the trade if you wanted to trade them otherwise you're looking at free agency you're looking at uh minimum contract signings you're looking at buyouts buyouts um so i mean i mean where do you go in my opinion i mean best defensive free agents out there right now are michael kidd gilchrist iman shumpert jr smith damari carroll lucan Mute, and then andre roberson right none of those guys are really like game changers but they'll help your defense yeah they'll they'll help your defense immensely if you're looking at the buyout market i mean no no one's really been bought out yet but the ones that you're probably looking at are javel mcgee or trevor ariza right javel mcgee to help out uh deandre jordan if anything i think javel mcgee would be better starting and then deandre jordan coming off the bench and then you got trevor ariza over in OKC, they even they didn't even tell him to go to the games. They, just, they right. said, "You just stay home. We're not going to need you." Right, right. You just at home chilling. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, if anything, I mean, he's getting paid to do nothing. If you're going to pay him to do nothing, you might as well buy him out. That way, you have that roster spot to to fill. But I mean, and then again, you you got your, you got your trade pieces. I'm pretty sure they don't want to get rid of Joe Harris. So now you're looking at DeAndre Jordan, Spencer Dinwiddie. Dinwiddie comes back next year. He could be sixth man of the year. I mean, you called him sixth man of the year this year before you found out 
he was uh, he was starting. Now he was starting. Yeah. <laughs> and then he went down, but I don't know. The sustainability of the, of this team is in question. Yeah. And uh, they they really put all their eggs in the in the basket. With, they did. With the James. Harden That's team. why I think. Um, I think I'm going to be really paying attention to the buyout market, and I think uh, it'll be interesting to see if they uh, actually make a move at the deadline. Because I think yeah. I think they will. I yeah. definitely will. They should if they if they want to go far as go far with the way I, I think they might, or potentially they might. I think they definitely have to make some moves at the uh, at the deadline. Oh, definitely. definitely. They need to improve and and depth. Depth is a huge question as, as well. They are super yeah. top heavy, extremely mm-hmm. top heavy. Yeah, and I think they're uh, still trying to figure out what lineup works. Are you going to put Joe? Are you going to keep Joe Harris in the starting lineup, or are you going to have Jeff Green in the starting lineup? Uh, they've tried both so far. I don't know if they like one better than the other, but might it might even depend on matchups. Matchups, but yeah. So moving on. That was our big three segment. But moving on, just a couple days ago on Tuesday was the anniversary of the passing of a true legend, your favorite player. That's my uh, guy. No, I, I know you being a diehard Lakers fan. For all of us, he was a true influence, a huge influence in our lives, not just in the game of basketball, but culturally. One year since Kobe and Gigi and the seven others who were in that helicopter passed away. Rest in peace, Kobe. First of all, let's start off with a moment of silence for all those who were involved in that accident. All right, again, Kobe was a huge influence for you especially. What's your what is your most memorable Kobe moment? There's so many, man. Playoff games, the 81 point outbreak, uh, outbreak. Uh, but honestly, I think the most fondest moment or moments of I, I have of Kobe is when he was on trial for his life. Um, the mm-hmm. sexual assault allegations against him. Uh, this man would literally fly to Colorado, be in court, on trial for his life, basically. Then would fly back to either Los Angeles or to the city that he was playing in on the road and still put up numbers. Um, yeah. It's just ridiculous to me the type, the, the mental fortitude this guy had to literally be on trial for your life somebody is trying to destroy your family assassinate your character uh you know break up your family and you're able to block that out for 48 minutes and go out and perform at a high level and win basketball games while people are yelling all types of disrespectful shit to you calling you a rapist this that and the third to do that not too many people can do that you know, not too many people oh, you're could, right about that. <laughs> could really have the stomach to do that. It'd be too much for them. The pressure would be too much. So for him to be able to do that and still be positive and still go out there and 
and, and really put in the effort to deliver to, to deliver us quality basketball and not cheat the game, that's something that I will never forget. Like that's I, I'd set my hat off to him. Like I I don't know too many people. That was just that was incredible. Um, so that's my fondest memory. And I, I honestly I can go on and on on that, but you know, <laughs> I'm sure you can, type, man. type of time. So I'll let you share with the, our listeners about your fondest Kobe moment. <laughs> man, I mean, like you, there there's been so many Kobe moments that have you know been part of my life, especially. I mean, being a diehard Warriors fan, he killed us every time. Every time out, I hated going to Warriors versus Laker games at Oracle because it was like we didn't have the home court advantage. You know, everyone was cheering for the Lakers, and a lot of that was because of Kobe. Kobe just, I hated him out of so much respect for him. because he killed us so so bad every game but i loved his hustle his passion for the game the way he approached it the way he not only perfected his craft but passed that on to the next generation to the younger to the younger players the up-and-coming players and i think that was probably my most fond memory of Kobe was towards the end of his career and after his career, he was passing on that knowledge. I think it started, my most fond memories of him started preseason game when they were playing in Hawaii against the Warriors. And he was being up Steph like it was the finals. <laughs> and <laughs> Steph just kept dribbling, dribbling around. He was cooking and then Went around Kobe, came back, stepped back, popped a three in Kobe's face. Kobe played excellent D. And when Steph made it, he was backpedaling back on defense, kept the, kept his face stone cold. Like like he froze himself. Like, like he was thinking, did I really just do that? And then Kobe slaps him on the butt gives him a gives him a smile and he says there you go young fella and then it was just i think that was where it really started where i was like okay he really does respect everyone he plays against and takes notice yeah especially definitely took notice especially with steph and the warriors like he he can tell he had tremendous respect for those warriors teams yeah, definitely. And then all the way up until the, his last game at Oracle when, you know, he was dapping up Steph, Draymond, and Clay, and told him, he said, go get it. He said, go get it. And then Steph said, I'm coming for you. I got to come for you. And then Kobe said, damn right, come get it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that was, that was, I think that's just my fondest memory. And we, like you said, we could go on and on, you know, the 51-point the game with him and Antoine Jameson when they both scored 51 in that game. I mean, that those string of games back in 2007 where he was just scoring an insane amount of points. Yeah. Yeah, Um, it was just crazy. 62 points in three quarters against Alex. Like, he was just on a tear. Like, one of the greatest scoring benches barrages I've ever seen in my life. I think that was in 07. I know we just wanted to share one final memory. This isn't really a Kobe memory. It kind of is. But one regret that I have. So back in 2000, 
my family is preparing for a trip to the Philippines. Uh, my, my family is from the Philippines. Or my, my descendants are from the Philippines. Um, and we go to Marshall's and we're like looking for, we're just looking for some clothes. And back then you could find champion jerseys at Marshall's and it was like 15, 20 bucks for a jersey with, and those champion jerseys are costing like hundreds of dollars right now. <laughs> but, uh, I found a Kobe Bryant jersey and I was like, all right, let me buy this jersey. Now this is coming from a diehard Warriors fan <laughs> who hated the Lakers. <laughs> I was like, let me buy this jersey. Bought the jersey, it wore it in the Philippines. In the Philippines, I, you know, I was a big dude. So they're calling me, they're calling me Shaquille O'Neal. I'm like, dude, what the heck? <laughs> and I'm wearing a Kobe jersey. I come back home and then I don't know, I just I guess I just let my friends get to me, get get into my head and they're like, Oh, you got a Lakers jersey, you're you're not a Warriors fan, blah blah blah. So I send my uh, Lakers jersey back to the Philippines uh, for one of my cousins to rock. And I don't know if he kept it or not, but if I would have known back then that Kobe would have been who he who he is and who he was, oh my God, I would have kept that jersey, framed it, found some way to have him sign it. <laughs> like, yeah. man, that, that I I regret giving up that jersey. It was the the number eight jersey, the old school shadowing with the with the ringer it wasn't the v-necks you know it was man i think uh for me like my respect comes from the most about kobe bryant was not only the player uh but the man the family man like this man loved loved his daughters he coined the um the hashtag girl dad and i know you're father of a of a a little princess yes sir Uh, I am not a parent yet, but I hope to be a girl dad one day. I would love to be a girl dad, but just uh, the amount of love and admiration he had for his daughters, um, the bond that he had with Gigi is uh, a bond that any father would hope to have with their their kids. Uh, Something that I hope I have with my my, uh, future kids, if I'm blessed to have any. Um, Just to see those two bond over basketball um, she was an up-and-coming uh, a basketball player. She was actually really good. Uh, yeah. To see them bond over that, and for him to be such a huge advocate for the WNBA, I mean, that's huge because the WNBA is the most underappreciated league um, in the world. By far. And I know you're a huge advocate of the WNBA. Huge. I mean, there are some ballers in that league, and they do not – get their just due and it's a travesty that they don't get paid the way they deserve to and see Kobe at courtside at all the Sparks games with his daughters repping the hoodie uh that I know that meant a lot of people meant a lot to a lot of people especially young girls to see such a superstar of Kobe's Kobe stature really ride hard for the WNBA so that really um resonated with me because people really talk down badly about the WBA. Yeah. Um, if you actually sit down and watch a WB game, it's quality basketball. It really is. Sometimes these girls are out than here watching an NBA game. <laughs> yeah, these girls are out here getting it, bro. Like 
it, it, it's quality, quality basketball. Definitely, definitely. And I'm still waiting for that team to come to the Bay. We need a Bay Area team. Joe Lacob, if you're listening, on the off chance that you're listening to our podcast, I don't know why you would be. If you are. We need a sponsor, Joe, if you are. <laughs> we need we need a WNBA team in the Bay Area. We need our, our little girls, our young girls, to have th- those figures to look up to. I mean, they look up to the they look up to the men in the NBA, but it's different when you have women to look up to as well. When you have women role models, and bring and to that point, team to Oakland, not San Francisco. Bring them in Oakland. Yes, so that's easier for me to get to those games. <laughs> I will get season tickets. Book it. I will get season tickets. Now, getting back to your point with as as far as Kobe being a family man and you know that relationship with his daughter yeah you know i would be lying if i said that hit that relationship wasn't part of the reason that i was hoping that my my first baby was going to be a girl i wanted that relationship um i wanted to feel that relationship i wanted to you know i want to influence my daughter and just be that role model be the person that i want to see her be the type of person i want to see her end up with inspiration that Kobe showed that it just I don't know it just hits different when when you got that father-daughter relationship as opposed to that father-son relationship yeah that that uh that daddy-daughter relationship I see it with my uh with my girlfriend and her father man it, it, it's special it, yeah it really is. something that's indescribable you know it really is Definitely. But yeah, rest in peace to Kobe. Rest in peace. Rest in peace to Dean. But real quick, real quick, switching gears. A little birdie told me that it's somebody's (laughs) birthday tomorrow. Oh, man. So I just want (laughs) to take this time out to wish my boy, my friend, my co-host a very early but very happy birthday, man. Right on. Thank you. Thank you. It's... Yeah, uh, man. The 35 hits different. <laughs> after after 30, I was like, all right, cool. You know, 31 is not, it's not any different. 32 is not any different. I'm, I'm 34. And then, you know, tomorrow I'm 30, turning 35. As soon as I said that I was turning 35, I was like, damn, for real? <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> it, it, it hits different. different, man. But, it's you different. know, it's a blessing to see. It's a blessing to see turn any age, let alone make oh, it to definitely. 35. Uh, beautiful family, beautiful wife, beautiful child, man. Uh, right just happy birthday, my brother. Had to had to shout you out one time. Right on, bro. Right on. I'm bro. not going to sing you. to you though, bro. Don't don't expect me to sing to you. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> good. I, I don't do that, but I definitely wanted to acknowledge you and, right uh, and our listeners out there, so they can acknowledge you, show you some love for tomorrow. Right on, bro. Right on. Uh, thank you. And thank you to everyone who's listening. Thank you for all the support. That's it. That's all we got for today. If Again, if you want to be part of the episodes or if you want to be part of the podcast, excuse me, and, or if you got any topics that you want us to discuss or that you want to discuss, hit us up on that email. 
uh, thekillercrossoverpod at gmail.com. You could also find us on Twitter. I'm at emankoa at E-M-A-N-K-O-A and Mo. You can also find me on Twitter. My handle is your boy Mo 87. Find me on Twitter as well. All right, we up. Oh, peace, guys. This episode was brought to you by MS Clothing, MS Official underscore on Instagram, a brand for ambitious minds who elevate their success, hustle for what they desire, and never settle for less. MS Clothing, A M E S, ambitious minds elevate success. Check them out.